How we doing, folks? This is The Road Team. We have a lot of basketball to talk this week. Coming at you, as always, from Savannah, Georgia, Andy Berger here. And I'm joined, as always, from Fort Collins, Colorado, by Chris Warman. Chris, what's up? What's up, Andy? It is beautiful out here in Colorado right now. How's how's it going in Savannah these days? Uh, yeah, we've had some nice days in a row here after uh, an unseasonably cold spell. Uh, and we've got a cool moon tonight. You know I'm a big moon fan from way back. Absolutely. You're an OG moon guy. Yeah, yeah. I've been on the moon way before... <laughs> Way before any of this trendy social media moon talk ever began. Um, Early adopter to the yeah, moon. Yeah. Thank you, Berger. We got a clear night, <laughs> uh, close to a full moon. Stars are out. Uh, so life is good in Savannah, Georgia. And I'm broadcasting for the first time from the den of my new house. Excellent. Um, so we'll see how this setup goes. Uh, I think it's going to be an improvement from the back guest room slash what was essentially just a giant closet uh since we didn't we didn't actually have any closet space so the guest room kind of just became a very large closet so i think the den's going to be a better setup we'll see we'll see how it's it goes, the acoustics though. are already better so let's hopefully um <laughs> this results in a better podcast so uh i'm excited to talk about this and i know you are too the cats went into morgantown and they won they didn't this, just this, win. This, they came they back didn't. from 17 down in the second right. half. This is, um, I believe it's it's the third biggest comeback um, in Kentucky basketball history. Um, coming, you know, just behind the the uh, the game against LSU, the miracle. And then and the 98 Duke the, Elite Eight game, Duke, right? Which, which yes, which, um, which was the game where I was 15 – and um, we were forced to leave the restaurant because they threw something at the screen. Uh, that was that was that was the Jeff Shepard game. Um, I, I will never forget that '98 game. It was fantastic. This game, though, is it is it an all timer? It could be Kevin Knox with an amazing performance. Um, would you would you think about him and the way he attacked the rim in this game? Well, this is what we've been waiting for all season long. We've seen flashes of this potential. Uh, it just it just hasn't felt like it's really come together like this yet. But, yeah, finally we see Kevin Knox being the alpha, stepping up, taking shots. I think it was so important that he started hitting threes early. I feel like when he hits a three early, th- things are looking good. Uh, but when he's clanging them off the iron, that's when I think he kind of loses some confidence. Um so I, I was, I mean, 34 points, you can't be mad at it. Um, Absolutely. I, I would still like to see him drive a little more early and see if he can maybe get his offense going that way. Um, but that's a minor complaint. And and by the way, I, I do think this, I was kind of looking through um, all of the schedules of the Calipari era, and I think this is a top 10 of the Calipari era at UK. Uh, I think it's going to go down as one of the more memorable games we've seen under Cal. Um, so I was I was excited. That's the, by far the most excited I've been this season. Uh, definitely the most excited I've been since that 103-100 classic bar, barn burner against North Carolina last dis, like December 2016. Yeah, um, that was a great game too. So, it, I mean, it's kind of been a long time coming for a sort of just classic Cats performance. 
You know, this did have a lot of classic Kentucky feel to it. Um, this was a game that we needed our three-pointing three-point shooting to win and you know Kevin Knox went five of eight that's that's awesome he was obviously hot and um and, and rolling that game winning Gabriel 0 for four that hurts us a little bit um you know he's a guy that we we like to see make you know one of his two attempts but not t- not go 0 for four right uh, another another big story with this game and um, was the you know really the return to form for Quade Green? He could actually shoot the ball this game. That was that was helpful. Um, he only he only uh, he only scored six points on um, on on or eight points on uh, with with two threes made and um, a couple from the charity stripe. So it was really good to see Quade Green back and kind of in this lineup. And the other guy that I th- that I thought really stood out in terms of making an effort in this game was the uh, the rebounding from Jared Vanderbilt was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he only played 11 minutes, um, and, you know, he didn't really put up any points. I think he had one free throw, uh, but everything else he was doing, um, and it's not just that he had 11 rebounds. He had seven offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's the huge number, I mean, right? I mean, that that's effort right there, um, and, he, you know, his shot was not falling, but he was doing so much else off ball, getting in those rebounds, just hustle stuff. And I, I mean, Kevin Knox looked great, but I sneakily believe Vanderbilt might be the spark plug just in terms of, it just hasn't felt like there's been an effort guy yet. Um, and he's just, he just does so much. He's fun to watch off ball. You got to keep an eye on him. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is the best we've looked all season. I I was very impressed. I, I, I think this gives you kind of an idea of what Kentucky looks like hitting their ceiling. Um, you know, the, the effort guy is supposed to be PJ Washington. He's supposed to have the toughness, but he just did not rebound well at all. He, he got in a little bit of foul trouble as well. That kind of put a hamper on his day. Nick Richards had some moments of brilliant brilliance. Um, it's the best but... he's looked in a while for sure. I mean, nine points, eight rebounds. Um, he finished with four fouls, but that's good for him. It's sort of, it's, it feels like he's just been in way too much foul trouble all season long. Um, and for him to get 20 minutes feels like a victory. And then the, the guy that kind of, if anybody didn't show up, it was Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, only getting six points and three, three to six shooting, did not make a three, did not make a free throw, turned the ball over four times. Um, Shea had a kind of a tough going out there, but with Quade Greenback, you feel a little bit more confident about the way that this backcourt's going to be able to handle itself moving forward. So as great as Knox's performance was, as good as it was to see these flashes of brilliance from, from these other guys, we still have not seen everybody on this Kentucky team at 100%. And I think that's actually kind of scary that if you have a game where Kevin Knox scores 25, but then Hami scores 25 and you've got quite a green putting in three or more threes. And then you've got the effort and you've got the rebounding from Washington and Gabriel and Richards and Vanderbilt. This team starts to feel a little scary. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves coming off um, what we just saw going through the SEC meat grinder before the West Virginia game. But this is the most excited I've been all season about this team. And it's really fun to be excited um, about a Kentucky team again. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's been some flashes here, but the fact of the matter is this is by far, like this is their best one of the season by a country mile. You know, before this, 
Uh, that Louisville win's looking better and better. Louisville's actually starting to look like a contender in the ACC. Um, yeah. So that that was a pretty decent that that's a win. The stock on that that win is rising. But other than that, may, I don't know the Virginia Tech win. Maybe LSU on the road. Like we, the Cats didn't have a good signature win, um, which was for me very concerning. I was starting to think, you know, this might be like a nine ten or worse seed. I, I I was I kind of joked about the NIT, but I I didn't really think that's how this was going to end up. Um, I think you know, I, you can say what you will about the NCAA and Calipari, but at the end of the day, you know, it pays to have him in the tournament. Um, it does. I, I, I think the reason I think the only reason that 2012 2013 team missed was uh, Nerlens being out. You know, if you look at that record from that year, that you know it wasn't awful. Um, so I didn't really oh, and and the Cats totally got snubbed because they just won a title too. You know, I I, I really feel the believe that um, the the NCAA felt like that 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 Kentucky could go to the NIT and the and the tournament would carry itself without them for one year because they had just won a title. Yeah, that I makes truly sense. believe that. And, and and then also with um you know 2013 was was the year Louisville won the title they looked really great that year as well so you kind of had I really feel like the NCAA was just like the people in Kentucky will just watch the tournament because Louisville's in it and I don't think that's true <laughs> um, but this Kentucky team is certainly better than that Kentucky team and. I do not think that this is going to be an NIT team. I, right now, I feel like this is a Kentucky team sitting at about a about a, a rising six is, is, is where we're going to be. You That's, know, that kind of, seems fair. I think their stock can improve, too. I mean, absolutely. If, if, you, if, if they look, continue to play like this, I think they'll be in, you know, uh, the three or four territory. Uh, but, um, but six is a safe bet right now. And, and we've got some tough wins to, to, to get coming up on on wednesday february 14th we're gonna play auburn at auburn that's probably the toughest be, one on the schedule that's right gonna now. be a hell of a game so you, you you think about that coming up um that gives kentucky a chance to get a second signature win and that would absolutely be one um and then finally you got florida at the end of the season and that's gonna do more for the fans and for the momentum of the players and their growth and getting that revenge win um but that's an away game at Florida, that's going to be their senior day. That's going to be a packed gym. Um, so there's there's probably two more signature wins that they could really get and 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 cement themselves as a um, as a as an actual contender in the tournament and yeah. not just someone that's going to show up for the first weekend. There's a few others. I mean, I think beating Tennessee at home would be great. Arkansas on the road would be a, a pretty decent win. I think Arkansas is a tournament team. So yeah, that you know they have a lot of ground left to cover. Um, and this really could go dramatically in one direction or the other, depending on how it all plays out. But if they keep playing like they played Saturday night, I think there's no reason to think this doesn't go in a positive direction. Yeah, it's definitely starting to um, – this, this feels like the start of a turnaround and not just a midseason peak to me. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, another team that they've got to play – is they've got to deal with Alabama. Alabama just beat Trey Young in Oklahoma as part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, did you have a chance to watch that game? I didn't catch that one. I've actually seen Alabama 
several times this year um and they really feel like a they 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 kind of feel like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type team where you just don't know which team is going to show up but they can they can be very scary. Yeah, uh, and I really like uh Avery Johnson the head coach down there has done a great job in and just kind of like installing a system and and you know in 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 Alabama and when they are on and when they are playing well, like they did against Oklahoma, when they have that really good game plan that they can that they can shut somebody down, um, and that's really what they did against Oklahoma is uh, Trey Young being a freshman guard. One thing that he doesn't really know how to do yet is play without the ball in his hands. So when you take away um, when you take the ball out of his hands and you don't have to worry about him creating assists, which is where I think he's truly the most dangerous. Um, when you do that to Trey Young, you can you can kind of um, negate his presence a little bit, and and he'll kind of at that point when he does get the ball, he'll kind of shoot himself into a slump because you know he hasn't he hasn't had the ball in his hand. So I think that um, Alabama's game plan against Oklahoma was really great, and you know it was one of the things that led to the SEC winning the Big Twelve SEC Challenge this year, five games to four. Um, feelings on that. Uh, six four, right? Six four, six four. Yeah. Um, no, this is this is a great moment for the SEC. This is the fifth year of the challenge. The first three were uh, very much losses for the SEC. Last year was a tie, five five, um, and so to get that first win, and you know there was some, there was you know at least one pretty huge upset: Vanderbilt beating what was it, TCU. Um, I don't think anybody saw that one coming, but you know, otherwise Alabama is a good team. Florida is a good team. Kentucky, obviously good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think this is a, this is a real turnaround year for the SEC. And I think we're going to see that their stock continue to rise, um, as we go forward. And I think we might see a return to like 1990s level of SEC, I feel like the SEC had a, a glory run there where you had Arkansas go into back-to-back championship games and then Kentucky go into three in a row. Um, South Carolina was really good in the 90s. They didn't really make any noise in the tournament, but they were always a, a threat. You had Tennessee, Vanderbilt in there, and then it just feels like it's dropped and off. And you, you had Shaquille O'Neal at LSU, too, and it made, it made yeah. those seasons interesting yeah. as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Right now, as it is, you look at the top 25, and you're probably honestly looking at four, maybe five SEC teams. You you might actually see seven SEC teams get into the tournament, and I think six of them will win at least a game. Um, <laughs> Did you see Cal at his presser today said he thought there was 10 SEC teams in? Oh, please. It's like, you, <laughs> you're such a bullshit artist. Um, at least, you know, I think that's exciting news, though, because he's been sad, Cal lately just yeah the, the swagger's and, and, back a little bit you can tell and, and that feels a little stone cold cow um, <laughs> um, um, which is the one i really like sure i mean that's by far the best cow um but yeah we'll, we'll see i um definitely not 10 um let's see who, who do we have in there so auburn's the lock florida's lock kentucky's in tennessee's in right now i think you put bama in arkansas's probably in but then uh, who do you have in after that? Maybe Missouri might be your seventh? Yeah, M- Mizzou would have been my seventh pick. Um, 
I, you know, they're they're a little bit of a different team, you know, and they haven't been in the SEC that long. Um, so it kind of, you know, they're they're a team I forget about, and they have had a truly tough stretch lately. Um, they, they've lost their last three, but I, I don't think this team is is uh, is going to f- continue losing though. Um, I, I think they've got. Um, they've, they've had a tough stretch with their first real set of away games and they've got a couple more, but you know, they're going to get home games against Mississippi state, a home game against Texas A&M, um, and a home game against Mississippi before they have to play at Rupp. And I think if they show up at Rupp at the end of February and then they're able to close out against Vanderbilt and, and, and hopefully, um, for them to beat Arkansas at home as the last game of the season, I think you end up with Mizzou in the tournament um, as an at-large bid. Mm. Yeah, I could see it. Hell, maybe Cal's right. I mean, uh, LSU, Georgia, and Texas A&M, I think, depending on what they do down the stretch, they might they might be in the conversation. And uh, I think the, the SEC tournament's going to weigh a lot more heavily this year than it has in the past couple of years because of the quality of play is so much better. So that if a team like um, – like an LSU or Georgia or, LSU yeah. or somebody like that. If, if a team like that makes it to the finals and really surprises everybody, I think that's going to greatly boost their stock. And that's just going to be a better team in the tournament than, than, you know, your sixth big 12 team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. What other college basketball action do we have to discuss? Um, well, there's, there's, there's two teams that we have to talk about that I don't want to talk about. And that's Virginia and Duke. <laughs> And the reason we have to talk about them is Virginia is uh, – they just beat Duke at Cameron by only scoring 65 points. At this point, with their record, with their defense, do we have to consider the possibility that Virginia is going to make the Final Four and just ruin college basketball forever? Have they made the, have they made the Final Four at all here recently? Not not to my not to my knowledge, but I don't know. Um, it's it's possible they they that they did when I wasn't looking. I feel like they at least snuck into the elite. I mean, they're a team we don't believe in at all, right? No, no. Um, I think maybe they snuck into the elite eight one of those years, uh, but yeah, maybe not the final four. I mean, I still don't believe in them. I think they're very beatable. I think they're very good. Uh, I think they're incredibly good, and more often than not. Um, they're, they're they're gonna win, right? But I just don't think that that system necessarily lends itself to a deep tournament run. Um, I think that system of kind of stall ball lends itself to getting picked off by, by almost anyone, right? Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I I, I still don't put a lot of stock in Tony Bennett. I, I I'm not buying the hype. But who knows? I mean, I feel like this is about as wide open of a season as we've seen in in a while. Yeah, if you if you look at the top of the rankings right now, and you look at the top of what's going on in Ken Palm, um, you're seeing some things that you haven't seen in a long time, like the University of Cincinnati and uh, Purdue winning 17 straight. Like these are kind of strange things. Your your more traditional blue bloods. Duke's got three losses. Michigan State's got three losses, as well as the whole other drama that we'll get to later. Um, this is, you know, the most vulnerable Kansas has looked in a number of years um, with four losses. And it, it does feel like just about anybody could win this thing. 
you know, there's there's some teams I think as you get farther down, I, I no longer believe that North Carolina can 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 make it to another Final Four. I think they're just too different of a team. They don't guard the same way that they did last year. After Kentucky's win against West Virginia and this rough patch that Bob Huggins has, has faced recently, um, I, I don't think that that you you can consider uh, West Virginia a Final Four contender anymore. And I think that's kind of where where that line is right now. Is like those types of teams are no longer there. But anybody above that, I, I mean, if you told me Texas Tech was going to make the Final Four, you know, I I might say okay. If I said. I wanted to place a bet, and I get to pick five teams. I'm picking Nova, Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky. You get the rest of the field for winning the national championship. Do you take that action? No, because I don't get Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just on principle. But, um... Yeah, I, th- I think I take the field. Okay. Um, right now, I, I just... I, I'm kind of firmly in the Matt Jones school of only Blue Buds win. And right now, I, I just think Villanova, Duke, Michigan State. Kansas looks vulnerable, but I mean, you know, they're a team that can put, Kansas. To, they can put together a run. Bill Self is a good coach. Um, the Kansas team just scores points, too. Yeah. And Kentucky, I mean, Cal puts together runs too. Yeah, uh, he, you think he, about what he did with uh, with Andrew and, and Aaron. Yeah, um, that, that national championship run is ridiculous. Or, like that should even, that shouldn't even, have been a team in the national championship, but there they right. were. And then even um even the the Brandon Knight the Jorts years, you know that lunch pail team that, oh that they should not have that that no. you know it it took a miracle Brandon Knight hitting that shot against uh, Ohio State, but. That team should not have even been playing in that game. So um, it's definitely possible that Kentucky. I think what happens though. Um, so who do you who do you who do you like besides those five to win it all? Uh, I, I like Xavier. You like Xavier to win it. I like all? Xavier. I like Xavier. That's absurd. I think they could be in the Final Four. That would no, not, think, that would not shock me at all. I, I I think I I think Xavier is going to get the automatic bid out of the Big East. They're going to beat Nova for the Big East title. Yeah, I could see that happening. That could happen. And 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 I just I I think that they um their offense is just so impressive to me and I love the tempo that they play with and um they've had a a much better strength of schedule this year than than they have um in other years. So I, I think that Xavier's been, been battle tested. I think um, that win against Cincinnati looks better and better and better as the year goes on. And I like Xavier and I like, uh, I like the Zags. I'm, I'm finally on board. No, this is, I'm this finally is, on board. Get out no, of here. This is, awful. I know it's like, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I did. I took some time. I got, I listened to a lot of Father John Misty, and I got into Mark Few and the Sags. I'm in. All right, all right. I've been, on, I've been out west too long. I'm getting yeah, soft. Yeah, yeah. Colorado's changed, you man. But they're they're uh, just on they're on TV a lot. We get the we get that the West Coast games, and and so the more I see them, the more I'm like, okay, I get it. All right. Um. Yeah, but I, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm Who, wrong though, right? <laughs> I don't think either of those teams is going to win at all. I think Virginia has a way better chance than either of those teams. 
Um, I will be so I will I will be so mad. Oh, I'm gonna quit college basketball if Virginia wins the championship. Like yeah, that that just... we'll have to rebrand the the podcast to be. Do you think Do you think they're only successful because they're getting the Trump boost in Charlottesville? Um, I love that you actually <laughs> gave that pause to think about it. <laughs> That's was, how much we hate Virginia. Yeah, I, was, I was gonna say sure, but I guess, I guess logically no. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. What else do we have to talk about here? All right, so I guess we should address Michigan State. Um, this is pretty messed up, I think. But there, there's you know another one of these scandals. Um, so let's 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 kind of back up a little bit um so what really spurred this was the conviction of larry nasser the the united states women's team gymnastics gymnastics team uh doctor and um he was recently sentenced to a 175 years so definitely the rest of his natural life um in jail for molesting i believe this particular conviction was was seven counts um with with seven different women, but li- but literally a um, hundred women have have come out and yeah, and, I think it's been like hundred fifty actually. Like it's yeah, so a it's, disgusting a of, number. The the statute of limitations you know expired on some of those on some of those particular cases, but he he's definitely been punished for all of these. The way that this um, applies to Michigan State is he was also a a team doctor at Michigan State, and his behavior was reported multiple times to the university's administration along with um, sexual assault allegations against both basketball and football players at Michigan State. Right. In 2010, NCAA president, um, what is his name, Mark Ertmer? Is that right? Mark Emmett? That sounds right to me. NCAA president, guy I hate, um, that I don't want to learn his name, he was notified of 37 particular allegations and obviously, since then, nothing is done because it took until just within these past couple of months for anything to happen in, in, with Michigan State. And that brings us to Tom Izzo. And um, you saw Tom Izzo speak. Yeah, so um, he was just doing a presser, uh, and an outside-the-lines reporter confronted him about these allegations. And... He said, we've complied with every investigation, which is a non-answer. Um, and then I got to give this reporter credit. She continued to push, um, didn't back back off that line of questioning. And then he basically said, I'm only going to answer questions about basketball, uh, which is a bad look. I mean, that's a really bad look. I know. I know that. You've got to be careful in that kind of situation. I mean, you uh, you say the wrong thing and you your job's gone, right? But that that's just a bad look. Um, he he should have been prepped to to come up with something better in that moment because he had to have known it was coming, right? Absolutely. And you know, this is kind of starting to feel like a little bit of shades of Louisville, where where it was a where it was a culture of corruption at the University of Louisville where the, the athletic director was involved and, you know, everything that Patino got into and, and all the trouble that he is now and continues to be in um, with the fallout from from the FBI investigation there. And I think what we're going to see at Michigan State is also going to be a, an, an investigation along the lines of if it's not the FBI, it's going to be the, the, uh, the U.S. Senate. 
And I think some really ugly stuff is going to come out. And um, Tom Izzo's non-answer worries me and and that he was complicit in all this. And if that is true, then he absolutely has to resign. You know, it doesn't matter um, who you are at this point. If you were complicit in, in these types of allegations, then then you should not remain in that position of power that you are right. in to allow this to continue to happen. This is especially egregious with a coach like Tom Izzo, is like it was with with Patino, because these are these are revered men that are teaching and and helping young men t- turn into adults, and right. to create this type of culture is devastating on especially on a college campus so um i am at the very least curious um to find to find out you know what else Izzo has to say and really you know if this was a uh, a scenario where he was turning a blind eye or looking the other way um or if you know if it comes out that he himself truly was compliant in these investigations why he didn't you know take it to the administration or take it to the authorities because that's the other thing is none of these were reported to the actual police it was all um handled within the administration and with the and basically within the athletic building um so you know we need to find out the rest of the story but right now it's it's looking pretty bad for for Izzo. i mean yeah um I think the better comparison than Louisville might be Penn State, right? Um, it sort of has that feel yeah. of, you know, this is this is beyond just sort of corruption. Um, this is just basic human morality and human decency. And, you know, situations like this beg the question of, like, wh- at what point does it become that hard to do the right thing? Um, right. And obviously we don't know enough. I mean, Tom Izzo might be completely oblivious and or, you know, was compliant. Um, but it, it has the feel of some of these others where that's probably not the case. And I, it's something I wrestle with. Is when, when does it become too hard to do what's just so obviously the decent, moral, right thing to do? Um, and it's just disappointing because Izzo is somebody I think we both respected as a coach. Um, absolutely. Uh, for me, way more so than a guy like Kay or Roy Williams or any of these other guys, I always felt like, oh, Tom Izzo was doing it right. Uh, so this is, it's, it's just very disappointing, but at this point, not surprising. I mean, I feel like you know, at the end of the day, almost every major program is going to end up um, in in hot water with just, um, you know, questions of amateurism and just also what were they allowing their players to get away with? What were they sweeping under the rug? What bad behaviors were they sweeping under the rug? Um uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bummer, but, uh, it's a reality we have to, um, we have to try to come to terms with and face. Um, any other thoughts on that? Let's move on to the NBA. Let's talk NBA. Um, 
So there's kind of a lot going on right now, right? Yeah. Um, let's get the bad news out of the way first. Boogie Cousins down with an Achilles heel injury will be out for the year. This sucks, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pellies were putting together a pretty decent season. They were definitely playoff bound. I think they're, I mean, well, we'll get to this later, but now that we know the Clippers are completely blowing it up, I still like their playoff chances. Um, But uh, the bigger bummer is this is not an easy injury to recover from. Yeah. Uh, the uh, b- the busted Achilles, we've seen, we've seen kind of, I don't know, maybe a f- maybe a fifty percent, pr- probably not even that rate of guys who who come back at the same level from that injury. Um, it's also going to be much harder for Boogie as a seven foot, two hundred sixty five yeah, pound ex- center exactly. than it is going to yeah. be for for you know a guard or something yeah, like that yeah, too. But the, this the, is. This is a devastating injury, especially for a big man. So, you know, um, as huge fans of DeMarcus Cousins, both um, with his time at Kentucky as well as his time in the NBA, you know, we, we, we hope he gets well soon and that he's able to come back at least every bit as good because he was having a career year he as a, well. He like, was having a great like, year. He was still doing the DeMarcus stuff of – you know, not always getting back on defense, stuff like that. But uh, it was still a really special year for him, and it's just a it's just a bummer. It's just a, a very big bummer. Uh, also for Anthony Davis, you know, absolutely. Um, and and that's the thing is is if 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 the Pellies stumble a little bit, coming um, especially you know right now, if they stumble a little bit. And it starts to look like New Orleans might not make the playoffs. Anthony Davis could find himself on the trading block. Um, and it is just absolutely impossible for a franchise to find success with con- with people constantly talking about trading their star players. So, um, you know, I would love to see the, the, the Pelicans be able to put something together to make a run, have DeMarcus come back next year stronger and healthier than ever. Uh, that would be awesome. As an NBA fan and as a fan of um, AD and, and Boogie, but it starts to get really scary for New Orleans. Um, what happens in the next couple weeks is going to be—it's—it's um, it's really going to define the long-term future of this franchise and and whether or not that they, if they decide to tank or decide to to, to just go all out um, and maybe make a roster move to strengthen their playoff chances. So. Um, so the Pellies are on the hook for AD through uh, the 2019-2020 season with a player option for 2020-2021, uh, and that's that's a lot of money. I mean, the yeah. right the right team will certainly pick up that tab, but it's got to be very much the right situation. They're not moving him before the trade deadline. If anything was going to happen, it'd be over the summer, um, and. AD's very been very adamant about how he wants to win. Tanking's going to be the wrong the wrong play. He he won't abide that. Um, so they're going to have to try to do a push uh, for the playoffs without Boogie. Um, maybe they try to make a move to 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 shore up their roster somehow. I don't know. Um, I, I still think they probably sneak into the playoffs as the seventh or eighth seed. 
but you know they're is not. That good, they're, is that they're, good enough for them this season? Do, do you you think they call that a win as a franchise? Yeah, if they make I, th- I think so. I mean, they've made it once since AD's been yeah. there, yeah. Um, and you know if. If Boogie had been on the team, I think seventh or eighth seed is kind of underperforming. I think they they probably should have been a little better. I think they their record right now should be a little better than what it is when you have those two plus Drew Holiday playing pretty well. Um, plus even some of their some of their role players. I mean, Darius Miller's had an okay season. Etwan Moore's had an okay season. Um, so I kind of feel like they're underperforming. But yeah, if they make the playoffs without Boogie, I think y- you call that a win. Um, and maybe try to do something um, over the summer to uh, improve your chances for next season. Yeah, um, like you said, they have so much money still invested in Anthony Davis, but he certainly um, is not completely untradeable. I mean, we saw we saw today the the Clippers trading the face of their franchise and Blake Griffin to Detroit. And I mean, it, it took a huge, huge package for, for Detroit to land him. I was what four, three players, two draft picks. One yeah. First rounder. It's, it's yeah. Like, it's a huge, huge you know, trade that shocked me. I mean, that hasn't, there's been no whispers of that at all. Were you surprised by that one? Yeah, I was I was really caught off guard seeing them trade Blake Griffin. I thought if they're going to trade anybody, it was going to be like DeAndre Will, uh, DeAndre Jordan, or even um, I don't know, so, somebody else on that team to to make room. It's it just felt like that team was still Blake's team, and it, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. There must be some sort of you know just maybe he just really really hates Austin Rivers. Well. Um... Woj, who reported the trade, and I mean it's not conf- like officially confirmed yet, but I mean, come on, it's confirmed. Woj, Woj, al- Woj also said that the Clippers have announced that uh, DeAndre and Lou Williams are both on the- still on the trading block as well. Like they're looking to move them wow. too, so they're they're just completely blowing it up, uh, which suggests to me that Doc Rivers will not be long for that franchise. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, that that was a team that felt like they were actually going to make a playoff run. Probably, you know, cut ties with DeAndre. And that team's looked great with the offense running through Blake. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was just shocked. And I bet Blake was too. I, I hadn't heard anything about this. There's been a lot of rumblings about DeAndre. But, yeah, whew, that one caught yeah, me off guard. It's... It, it definitely it blows me away a little bit, but at the same time, I think this is just honestly what they needed to do. Um, it was obvious year after year that that they weren't getting it done with with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, and so they moved CP3, and now it's time to move Blake, and the next move is to move Doc, and they're just going to reboot and hope that uh, by the time that they are done rebuilding as they go through their the process, that they are ready to play face a Western Conference that's seeing um, – its best players in their twilight years. So I, I, you know, the Clippers were making the playoffs year after year, but they weren't doing anything. And I don't think that either of us has ever really thought them to be title contenders. And right. if that's the goal in LA. And if that's the goal, um, you know, they, they have, uh, Steve Ballmer is the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. He spent half, you know, he spent what, $2 billion on that team, something or a billion and a half crazy amount of money to buy an LA team. Former, you know, you know, CEO of Microsoft, like th- this guy is not going to sit around and, 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 and do okay a couple times. Um, I, I, 
I'm surprised that this trade didn't happen earlier in the um you know before the season started or something like that. I'm a little surprised that they got this far into the season. Maybe they're just waiting for the right package to to move Blake because they they did get a ton in return. Um, oh and my they, god, it, yeah. And, and one of the players that they got was Tobias Harris. This is a guy that I, I've loved um, since he showed up in the league playing for the Orlando Magic. That guy is going to win an NBA ring one day I, I, as a role player. And, and, well, and maybe he's the Pistons' leading scorer. Like... Right, but he's not He's not going to win, win, win an NBA title as the guy. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, yeah. So I, I think what, what, the Pist- what, what, what the Clippers are looking at is building – a new roster around players like that and 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 really really looking long term into the future is this what it feels like um you know we'll have to see what they do in the off season as well as as how they handle their drafting um to determine what they're really going for but right now um it's definitely a shock but it it it's almost a little overdue so what do you think this does for the pistons who are who've been really struggling they look like playoff contenders early in the season uh they just they just lost their two leading scorers but you know now they have blake and andre drummond you know two two of the best 15 players 15 20 players in the league um that's that's a pretty intimidating uh twin towers there right absolutely and i think i think it it might make them a playoff team simply because they have two guys that nobody else really can guard, especially um, when they're both playing on the floor. Because Blake can handle the ball, he can he can move out and shoot the three. He can work from higher up in the elbow, and he kind of gives them some really interesting versatility in terms of uh, how they're going to score. So I think what this does for the Pistons is it makes them a playoff team. And I guess the the next question is is who do you see them? Um, replacing as the current playoff roster has them just outside sitting at ninth in the standings. So, you know, are they going to, are they going to sneak in past the, uh, the 76ers who are having kind of a weird season um, or the Pacers who are having a surprisingly good season behind the play of all-star Victor Oladipo? Um, Do you see the heat falling apart? Do you see um, the, the, the turmoil with the coaching in Milwaukee is, is that going to work itself out with the interim coach or is, you know, so I think, I think it makes the East a lot more interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because you, you also have the New York Knicks and, and, and Porzingis and who've been struggling like the Pistons. They've been struggling, but um, I think it was, uh, it was Porzingis said today that, um, that there's, that the Knicks are looking to make a move ahead of the trade deadline. So, um, I think you could see New York way overpaying for somebody and trying to get into the playoffs this year and trying to force the issue. And I think um, you're going to, this is kind of what you're seeing the same thing with Detroit is Detroit was, um, this kind of feels like a desperation move, but it, it's a little bit exciting because um, I don't know. Blake is just such an outstanding scorer and athlete and, and, Maybe it was just time for him to be in a new home, and um, this is going to be, you know, a spark to the second half of Blake's career. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, I think if the Pistons are going to leapfrog anybody, I think the Sixers would probably be the most obvious choice. They've had a weird season. Um, 
they've had they've had a lot of injury problems. I mean, Markel Fultz hasn't really even seen the court. JJ's been out. Um, you can't. We, we haven't come to a place where we can really rely on Embiid to consistently play. Yeah. Um, so I could I could definitely see that happening. I think that's the most likely scenario. Second most likely, I would say, is the Bucks, just with all the weird coaching stuff. Um, and then you forgot to. I I think the Pacers are safe. I think the Heat are safe. Um, but you forgot to mention the Wizards, who have actually also been having some very serious turmoil. Um, it very much. There's been reports of some intra-team conflict. And reading between the lines, a lot of the NBA reporters are saying it's that that locker room is very much John Wall and Bradley Beal versus the rest of the team. So the two stars versus all the role players. And they've been struggling as of late. And I could kind of see them just completely imploding. I think those, you know, those are the three most likely scenarios uh, for the Pistons. But like you said, the Knicks could also sneak in there. Um, I, don't, I don't see any of the teams below them making a move, but uh, the Pistons or Knicks could could be on the rise potentially. I think it, it definitely makes the East more interesting. Um, the other thing to talk about in the East right now is uh, there's also a George Hill from Sacramento to Cleveland trade that's um, that's apparently you know getting close to the end of negotiations and a really good possibility that that happens. It appears though. Um, NBA Twitter is saying the hang-up is on George Hill's guaranteed money. Now, George Hill ended up in Sacramento because he kind of overplayed his hand in free agency. And so to get the best deal that was left, he became a king. To go to Cleveland, though, he's going to have to give up some guaranteed money. And kind of, you know, the, the the internet talk is, whose fault is that? Is it the fault, you know, do you blame George Hill for screwing up free agency and... And then deciding, you know, I'm going to take the money instead of the chance to play LeBron. Do you? Do I want to be in a bad situation in, in California versus being a bad situation in, in Ohio where everything's clearly in disarray? You don't know if LeBron is going to stay or not. And, it's, you know, a lot of it basically comes down to Dan Gilbert and, and the uh, Cleveland organization saying, hey, George, why don't you come help us out even though you've never been here before? So um, I, I think that that's a really interesting thing. And – if, if you look at what, what what was going on in Cleveland, you're seeing Isaiah Thomas sitting for the entire fourth quarter. Um, he also it, has he's not back to his old self yet. No, like he's not ready, and and that's that. And I think they 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 played him too soon. Like what what good was did bringing Isaiah Thomas back before the All Star game really do for the Cleveland Cavaliers other than to give him minutes? No, I mean I think that's what it is, but. Yeah, that that's kind of they've looked a lot worse with him out there, and yeah, I think it's telling that he sat for the entire fourth quarter in that recent win. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see how the situation in Cleveland plays out. I don't really know what George Hill does. Like, what what does he really bring to the table that fixes their problems? That's that's the thing. I don't think he does fix anything for them. Um, I think their problems are 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 more than than a trade i think i think um they just have a lot of things to figure out and and you're right isaiah thomas is simply not 100 percent yet so i think the but the, um the lebron uncertainty i think is starting to weigh on cleveland and i think it's becoming 
more and more apparent that he's not going to be in a Cavs jersey next year. Well, yeah. Um, I, I'd maybe give it even even money. Um, but but I think the hitch is he he wants to leverage even more control of the team. Um, and so I think there's kind of a question of is is that going to be tolerable? Because um, the kind of the thing I mean, look at look at their look at their lineup, like D Wade, Derrick Rose, LeBron doesn't have the patience to play with young guys, and so it does. I mean, LeBron's still for his age, he's still incredible, right? Um, and he's he, still probably the best all around player in the NBA. And still. and so I mean, he definitely has some years left in him. Um, but it does feel like we're entering maybe LeBron part three. Um, the initial Cavs run and the heat years were part one. The, the Cavs return has been part two and whatever comes next is going to be part three. Um, so does he go chase a ring in LA Houston? Um, I think those are kind of the two options, but, or does he try to, in some way retain even more control in Cleveland, but would Cleveland be okay with that? Would they be okay with kind of having a roster that has an expiration date on it? Um, and so I, yeah, I'm very, I, I don't think it's, I, I think there's a chance he stays in Cleveland, but I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for Cleveland. So I'm very interested to see what this off season ends up looking like. Well, um, one of the things that, that might be telling is uh, the the NBA All-Star rosters. LeBron, he did, he did get Kevin Love. He did put Kevin Love on his roster. But if you look at the other guys he put on his roster, there is a whole lot of Western Conference stars on, the, on this roster. Um, and... I think I kind of get that, and, but 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 who's not on that roster is James Harden. So, um, where's where's he gonna go? Is he gonna stay in Cleveland, um, or is he gonna go to uh, San Antonio? Is he or you know? No, um, no, where... no way. I mean, I've I've heard those, I've heard those whisperings as well. But do you think LeBron and Pop work? I, I think they work better than LeBron and Tibbs because there's no way he's going to the T Wolves and that's that's you no, know the, no no that's, that's Reddit's favorite story that's right now. Stupid, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Reddit, do better. Um, Are, do, you, do you think uh, what, what if the Clippers reboot and name him player coach? I I think um, the collective bargaining agreement actually disallows that. I don't think there's. I don't you think you're allowed. Rose. Yeah, you can't actually legally be a player coach in the in the contemporary NBA, uh, which sucks because it's awesome. Um, yeah, and I love that Bill Russell won an NBA title as a player coach. Like that's maybe the coolest NBA fact. Um, but you know, there there's definitely a de facto player coaches. Um, who is it in Milwaukee? Who's the super old guy in Milwaukee? Uh, is it, who is it? Uh, anyway, the, the, it, it's a rule that kind of exists, but legally no. 
Um, so I, th- I think some of the whisperings are more about, does he try to get an ownership stake? Which apparently that's not disallowed. Um, that's interesting. Th- which seems insane to me, right? Um, it almost feels like that's one that just hasn't been thought of. And it might lead to something like a LeBron James rule. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what people are thinking. Um, but yeah, I like that Clippers idea, especially now that we're still, yeah, I hadn't thought about it in the context of this, of this Blake Griffin trade, but yeah, that becomes very interesting with Tobias Harris out there and Avery Bradley. Um, Hmm. Interesting. They would, they would definitely have some draft picks to play with as well. So, um, and I, I think that would be the, the least attractive thing to LeBron about the Clippers is that, is that he would have some some young guys straight out of college that are seeing serious minutes. Um, I, and honestly, I think that's what, what keeps him from playing in, in L.A. is I don't think that LeBron wants to play with Lonzo Ball. No. I, I don't see the Lakers happening. The Lakers are a mess. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that one's going to come to fruition. I think the Clippers are, are much more likely. What other NBA action do we want to? Um... Well, um, I guess let's just run through the uh, the the two All Star teams and and then bring up the fact that uh, you know Demarcus Cousins was was chosen for the roster um, as a starter, but but obviously he's he's out. He's been replaced by Paul George who was the road team's honorable mention pick. If we had one more pick, it would have been PG-13. So good to see him representing. Um, it, it also means that you've got um, two Oklahoma City Thunder on on LeBron's team. Let's run through this whole roster. Anthony okay. Davis from New Orleans, Kevin Durant from Golden State, Kyrie Irving, kind of fun that um, LeBron's going to play with Kyrie again. And and LeBron, um, that's your four starters. The fifth starter, replacing Demarcus Cousins, will be chosen by the coach, um, and he'll get to choose from the reserves of Lamarcus Aldridge from San Antonio, Bradley Beal, Kevin Love, Victor Oladipo, Kristaps Porzingis, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George. Um, that's that's kind of an exciting exciting team. You get to see um, AD, KD, and LeBron on the floor together. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I dig it. Let's hear that. Let's hear Steph's team. So, and then on the other side, Steph has the Greek freak, Giannis, Steph, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, and James Harden. That those are your, those are your starters. That is a lot of shooting. Holy crap. Is that a lot of shooting? Yeah. That's like kind of like the dream construction around Joel Embiid too, right? You, um, you put three guards and Greek freak around him. And I, I, I think that team could win a title. <laughs> do we, but do we want to see that or no, I, do we no. want a little more parody than we have in, in the current landscape? I, I would like a little bit more parody. Um, you know, I, I think it's fun that baseball hasn't had a repeat title, um, in forever. And, and I really love the, the parody of baseball, but, um, the reserves. I, of I would kind of like a happy medium. Um, yeah, I think. Should the, we just have like a two hundred million dollar cap? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like there's been compared to the other major American sports, there's been so few NBA champion, like different NBA teams, winning the championship in our life. But baseball feels like a little much sometimes. 
Um, it, it's there, there's so much up and downs. It's hard yeah. to like, stay with it. All right, so the reserves on the uh, on Steph's team though, you got Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, Al Horford, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so again, you, you see Steph goes out, he gets he gets all of his Golden State guys, but also I don't think uh, LeBron had any any uh, incentive to pick somebody from from Golden State either. So I, th- I think, but he got KD. You're right. You're right. You got KD. Um, maybe there's maybe there's a Nike conspiracy there. I, I don't really want to read the tea leaves too much. I know, like we that we talked about that. It was more <laughs> exciting before it happened. Yeah, right? yeah. And I and I, I feel like I have a little fatigue at this point. Um, <laughs> I because I be I, I I do I'm like very plugged into NBA Twitter and NBA podcasts, and it's like Jesus. Can we get another? story to talk about um but it was very fun to think about but yeah i'm with you it's like now that it's happened it's like all right that's that's over um (laughs) but i'm excited for the game itself obviously um do you think do you think it's time to do away with the slam dunk contest i think you got to get rid of it for a while and then when it comes back it's got to be like it's 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 got to be a completely different format or something like it just it seems like it's run its course though right yeah it just doesn't seem cool anymore the three-point contest still seemed kind of cool right i think you can have these other skill competitions the night before and you know also like the uh the first year second year games cool or what do they call it the rising stars game yeah. Um that that stuff's all cool, but yeah, it just does it just feels like a letdown every year. Um so yeah, I'm and also with, I'm, I'm it's with... so hard to get the 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 big big names in in the slam dunk competition that and I think that's really what what where the draw of it was earlier and in, in its earlier existence was that guys like Jordan dunked in the dunk contest. Yeah. Um you know, I I I just I, I, I don't want to watch like Zach Levine in the dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, it it feels very much like bench guys, and they do cool stuff sometimes, but it's also just a lot of missed dunks, right? Yeah, you know they have, or maybe the thing they should do is just make it like you get one shot, but the whole shot clock, and then you get several. It's come on, no, it's, it's no, boring. I'm. I'm out. I'm out on it. Um, uh, the three the three point contest though, that's fun because somebody like you know it's 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 scoring. It's there's like a tangential yeah. like winner, and also Devin Booker's in it. So well, plus it's low stakes. Like you don't have to worry about injuring yourself in the three point contest. Right. Whereas that's why guys don't do the dunk contest. Um, like you actually could hurt yourself trying to do some circus dunk. Uh, yeah. And that's not worth your season. Um. So a couple more things before we sign off for the night. Number one, uh, the Warriors obviously they're not going to end up with another ridiculous record. They're not. Gonna, I don't think they're going to hit that sixty-seven and fifteen mark um, that they have for the past three seasons. Although they could, and if they do, they're going to end up going on a ridiculous run down the stretch. Um, but they're still looking very good. They beat they beat the Celtics Saturday night, and it was just a vintage Steph performance. 
Um, he still absolutely has it. He still puts on the best show in the NBA. When he's on, it is appointment television. So fun to watch. Just so much joy. It makes me remember why I love basketball, um, which is something watching the Kentucky Wildcats doesn't always do for me. Um, <laughs> but Saturday night it did. Um, so, yeah, the Warriors are still being the Warriors. And even though there is the wrinkle of the Rockets this year, I, I still think it's very much the Warriors' uh, title to lose. The last thing we wanted to touch on is what's going on with the Celtics. They've been struggling a little bit lately. Um, do you have any feelings on what they might do differently to um, return to that crazy run they had at the beginning of the season? Well, I, th- I think a lot of that early run was a little bit of a Ewing theory from from Gordon Hayward getting injured, and then you know, like we're gonna do this, you know, for him without him, and and um, a lot is you know early enough in the year where everybody else is kind of figuring out who they are, but um, they have Brad Stevens as as the coach, so they already knew that by the time you know the ball tipped off in game one, so. I, I think that the the Celtics are just kind of in a, a little bit of a, a you know of a midseason drag, and the All Star break is going to do them some good when they can get there. And um, what you're looking at with with the Celtics is is what does uh, a Gordon Hayward return look like? You know, there's more and more talk that he's going to be back in time for the playoffs, and is that the piece that's going to elevate them over the top? Um, is having him going to help them? You know. Um, find a way to 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 beat the warriors if that's who they have to face because that's really what what everybody's doing is they're tooling up to beat the warriors in the finals that's that's what they're planning on so um i i think that that's what they're trying to figure out as well i do not foresee the celtics making a roster move um no. going 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 into the trade deadline but nothing big this... nothing big they might you know Get a get another bench piece or something, but yeah, no, but, nothing but they, big. But but they do still have an arsenal of picks in their war chest. Somehow, some way, they continue to do this. Um, you know, their their front office is just on top of it. So, I, I I don't see them making anything anything crazy. But it that potential still exists. It's not like one of those things where they're gonna overpay for for Blake Griffin or overpay for Anthony Davis or or something like that. I don't think you're gonna see anything crazy. But um, I do I do think that the uh, the Celtics are still they're missing a little bit of something right now, and it, it could be rest, but it could also be um, you know a, a role player to give them some uh, you know to boost that second unit a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you there. I yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you should they shouldn't rush Gordon Hayward back. Um, if he's ready, he should do it. But I don't know. That one makes me nervous a little bit. I just. I, that was just such a gruesome injury. Yeah, it was so horrific and to see that. And it's just like one of those where he's like, God, I just want this guy to come back and um, return to his former greatness. Same, same with the boogie injury. Absolutely. Um, that, that one just bums me out so bad. Um, but anyway, what, what do we have to look forward to? Um, it's been a, a really fun – there's been some ups and downs this week, but overall a very fun week of basketball. What do we have to look forward to in the coming week? Well, um, there's two really good Kentucky games this week with Kentucky playing Vanderbilt at home and then Mizzou away on 
Saturday. That, that you know, that's definitely a circle your calendar kind of thing at this point in the season, having those road SEC games. And then personally, I will be at the Nuggets Warriors game on Saturday. Really looking forward to seeing that. You know, I love Jamal Murray. I think the Nuggets are a lot of fun. And then obviously seeing the Warriors in person is just always it's it's truly a treat to watch these guys swing the ball and the way that they um, handle handle open space and 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 I'm really hoping for a fun high scoring game and I think I do think it will still be competitive. Um, the 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 the, uh, the Nuggets um, beat the Warriors very early in the season in Oakland, so mm. um, so I, I do think it it should be a fun game and and again. Jamal Murray, he's he's he, you know he's definitely one of the my favorite guys in the league, and you can look for him in the Rising Stars game, um, playing for the World Team. Nice. All right, well I think that'll wrap it up for the Road Team. Um, we'll be back next week with more basketball action. Have a good one, folks.